Father, we come to hear from you. Father, we come to understand more what it is you do. Father, uh, as we grow in this understanding, as we grow in this massive undertaking that you have poured upon your people, that you have empowered us and called us into a work that is beyond our imagination. It is beyond our abilities. And yet, Father, I pray that even now we have a dependence on you, uh, solely and wholly you. And that, Father, uh, you would help us to hear. You would give us the ears that we need. And, Father, that you would give me the words that are needed. And that, Father, that your spirit and your people will be strengthened for the awesome task that is before us overwhelmed with the privilege bestowed to us and father eagerly awaiting the assignment given to us to your glory to your praise amen jeremiah chapter 17 i want you to look at verses 9 and 10 and i'll pick up there that's where we ended last week we're dealing with the person of the holy spirit What does he do? In the last two weeks, we've been looking at the work of the Holy Spirit. Now we will be looking at something that I've entitled our dependence. Our dependence. Um, Yes, it would be in the Holy Spirit. Um, My computer is not as smart as I type. Uh, It should be saved through with a question mark and sanctified through with a question mark. But my computer obviously couldn't read my mind what I was trying to articulate. And so... uh, I will scorn it when I see it again. Jeremiah chapter 17, verses 9 and 10. The heart is more deceitful than all else and is desperately sick. Who can understand it? I, the Lord, search the heart. I test the mind even to give to each man according to his ways, according to the results of his deeds. Okay, this is an amazing text when you truly think about it because I see too many Christians today who absolutely threw themselves on the cross of Calvary in utter dependence that God would save them and then they gleefully stand up and take off running in their own abilities. And Jeremiah says here, that the heart is desperately wicked. Desperately wicked. And basically what you're going to understand is, and, what, and I believe that many of you have already tasted this. Some of you may be in the process of tasting this. Some of you have tasted this and re- turned back to taste it. But you're all in that process. And do I really understand what I have in dependence? Do I depend on? What do you depend on? I will tell you this, what you depend on is evident to all men. And when it comes to the life of Christ, when it comes to being a child of the Most High God, you will never find answers in the flesh. Can't do it. Absolutely cannot do it. When you look at verse 10 there, it says, I, the Lord, search the heart. The heart and the mind is the two terms that are used here in the Hebrew. And what you have there is what I, what you would classify, I would classify as our thinking capabilities, our capacities. What do I achieve? How do I get it done? It is the way, that is my heart and my mind is how do I evaluate those capabilities? Um, how, how do I analyze this stuff? Okay. You all have that. You all do it. Um, you may call it your conscience. You may call it um, that inner person or whatever it is you call it. But it is basically that place where I have my thinking capabilities and then I evaluate my capabilities. How can I, you know, sometimes this is beyond me. I probably shouldn't do this. Um, and, you know, that's the analogies that you are looking at. But he started it out with this. The heart is more deceitful than all else. So when you think about your capabilities, your 
thinking capabilities and evaluating your capabilities, do you understand God says you're deceived? God says you're deceived in your capabilities. God says you are deceived in your ability to understand your abilities. You start out in a flawed place. If it's deceitful, if my heart is deceitful in all else, will it give me a right answer? No. No. You're still in this earthen vessel. Every one of us that is saved today is in this earthen vessel. And let me explain to you something about your earthen vessel. Your earthen vessel, now you may know this, you may not know this, but your earthen vessel is biased to your favor. Did you know that? It leans over toward me. And you know what? When it leans to that biased, do you know what it's against? It's against God. It's against God. So when I think about saying, what is your dependence on? Do we really understand what I'm saying? Because every one of us in this room this day have a bias that leans towards my favor. Sometimes it lies to me about what I'm really like. Now you may have overcome this, but my mind um, and, and my heart persuades me of what I'm really like. You know, sometimes my mind and my heart thinks that I'm better than I am. And sometimes it may even say, you know what, I'm not even responsible for what I am. My flesh, my sin deceive me. Okay? First Corinthians chapter 4, verse 4, Paul says, My conscience is clear. Okay, now grab a hold of what he said right there because. Wait a minute, Paul. I thought that the heart was deceit. That's the seed of your conscience. That's where it is. That's where you think about it. That's where you evaluate it. That's where you make the plan. He says, because God has searched me. See, we like to keep our conscience clean, don't we? I mean, you don't want that nagging guilt thing, do we? Well, I mean, nobody, well, I should have just, you know, I was driving down the highway the other day and that poor woman all by herself, flat tire, and I just drove right on by. I should have stopped and helped. I'm sorry, Lord. Okay, and so you part playing with your conscience. Your conscience starts messing with you. But here's the problem that you do with your conscience. Whose counsel do you take it to? Nine times out of ten, I know who you take it to. You take it to your evaluation capabilities. And when you take it to your evaluation capabilities, what will always be the answer? My conscience is clear. What happens if you take it to God's evaluation? In Proverbs 16.2, you don't have to turn there. Just write it down and you can check it out. Proverbs 16.2, this is the book of wisdom written by the wisest man on the earth, Solomon. Here's what he says. All the ways of a man are clean in his own sight. And God, the Lord, weighs the motives. The Lord weighs the motives. What are your motives? What are your motives? I would argue, Scripture would argue, that your motives are biased towards you. What do you think? Absolutely. What were my motives? My motives were honorable. Really? Based on what? God's standard or your standard? In the book of 
Proverbs chapter 14, verse 12, there is a way which seems right to a man, but its end is the way of death. That's good stuff. Because here's what happens. How many times do I reach where for the answer? Huh? How many times? When you have a problem, when you have a circumstance, when you have a relationship, or you're making a decision, where do you go for the answer? Where do you go for the answer? I can tell you where you go. Inside for the answer. Why? I had my quiet time. I had my prayer journal. I read a Psalm. I read a Proverbs. I read a New Testament. I read an Old Testament. I am therefore ready to what? Make a decision. But you realize that as a child of God, you are utterly dependent on something that is outside of you? It's outside of you? Yes. Now listen, I don't want to worry about the semantics, but the Holy Spirit indwells me. Yeah, but he is outside of you. Okay? His ways are... Not your ways. Were you there when he flung the stars into the heaven? Were you there when he named them? I don't even know that many names. I would have to say that's Bob to the 49th power. That's Sally to the 88th power. Why? I run out of names. How many times do you take your understanding... And lean on it. Okay, when you do that, what are you dependent on? What I know. What I understand. Jeremiah 17.10 says, I'll tell a man the truth of himself and I'll show him the results of himself. That's how I would paraphrase the 10th verse. He says, I'll weigh it. Why? I'm going to weigh it based on the motives. What was the motive? What was the motive? Our dependence is on the person of the Holy Spirit. You know what? This group that is gathered this morning, um, we would all intellectually make this statement. I was saved by grace through faith, not of myself. I had absolutely nothing to do with my salvation. God, by his mercy and by his great and his overwhelming love, his overwhelming power, he saved me. Uh, I used the illustration last week about... um, the potter in Afghanistan who reached down into the miry muck and pulled out the clay. And who did it? Who Did the clay say, take me, take me? No. What did the clay do? It just laid there and smelled bad. Okay, and God reaches down into that clay and he pulls up and he makes what he wants out of it. Who are you, old clay, to tell the potter what to do? And you know what? Every one of us in this room are guilty of telling the potter what we need to do. Let me explain this to you, God. I mean, listen to some people's prayer. Some people pray they're like they're informing God. Well, what he's, he forgot and you're reminding him or, oh, I know, you're here to keep track of what's going on because he's busy somewhere else. No, you're doing it because you have a bias toward yourself. You had a bias toward yourself before you were saved, were you not? Right? I mean, before your point of salvation, what was the single most important thing in your life? You. It was. I mean, you could mask it. All right? You know, and act like I'm caring. But why do we have to teach our children to say thank you? Because they don't think that when you give it to them, that you're doing them a favor. They think that they deserve it. You should give this to me. Why would I thank you? Can't you tell, looking at me, that I am deserving of this? Right? I mean, when that little bugger is born, the cute, you know, the cute little, you know, some of them are bald, some of them ain't, you know. Cute little buggers, right? And they just got to smile and little bitty toes and little bitty feet. And them are the most self-centered things you've ever seen in your life. All they want is feed me now 
And now I want you to clean up the product of you feeding me. And then I'm going to take a nap. And when I wake up, I want you to feed me now and take care of the product of you feeding me now. And then I'm going to take a nap. Isn't it? You guys, I've been through it. I've seen it. I had my kids all were colicky. And my kids were so self-centered that they would not sleep at night unless they laid on my chest, okay, and they would sleep. They'd sleep through the night. Now, you weren't. You know, and I hear these people say, well, you know, my kid wakes me up every two hours. My kid doesn't let me sleep. I thought, you guys are blessed with two hours. And that's the way my children were. I couldn't believe it. I was like, what did I do wrong? And all I could think of was, well, you know, you need to have a quiverful. No! Why would I ever do that? But my kids were that way, and I can't help it. I, that was the way they were. But you know what it showed me? Mark this word, the depravity of man. A cute little infant? Absolutely. Absolutely. That's the depravity of man. But that's awful. You cute little darling babies. Yeah, wait till you have some. Okay, then you realize that my life has changed forever. And there's nothing I can do about it. There is, but I think there's laws against it. Here's what isn't bizarre. That little child grows up into an adult. And what is its focus? Self. For how long? Until it either dies or there's divine intervention. There's divine intervention. And you know what's bizarre about the whole thing? It it, it crosses, I I like it because it crosses all racial and gender boundaries. It is the one thing that is equal And it's all of its rights. The fallenness of man. Theologians call it the depravity of man. I like that word. It's cool. It's a cool word. In the original language, it's an awesome word. Okay? Depravity or depraved in the original language literally means this. Hear this well. Because we talk about it. You'll hear... Pastors and Sunday school teachers occasionally talk about the depravity of man. You know, his fallenness, his depravity. Okay? The word depraved means this. Found useless for its intended purpose. Found useless for its intended purpose. Okay? So, why were you saved? Because you were useless... For your intended purpose. Useless. Okay? Please understand that word. It doesn't mean you were close. You were found useless. Okay? How dependent are you on God? Well, put it this way. You're useless without Him. You couldn't, you couldn't find God with a map and a search party. You couldn't. It's impossible. Why? Because you were useless. You were depraved. And everybody says, well, I'm feeling pretty good now. Okay? Well, you just sang it. Oh, sacred head wounded. Why? Do you understand? Let me explain something to you. Without divine intervention into your salvation this day, do you know that it's only going to take you eternity to pay off your debt? Can you see those two together right now? All right. My debt is so powerful, it's only going to take me eternity to pay it off. So how useless are you? I'd say pretty useless. 
I mean, and that would be a good day. And yet, you set this day, we set this day all over this country doing what? Going to church, thanking Jesus for saving us. But the question I would ask you is, do you believe that the heart is more deceitful than all else? We have come to a position in the church here in America, it's not really... In the places that I've been, it's not really gained traction because of economies and sociologies and, and stuff like that. But here in America, we, we have a plan for everything. Okay, I mean, remember, I remember President Kennedy saying by the end of this decade, we are going to be on the moon. Well, he, we had no ability to go to the moon when he said that than the man in the moon. We couldn't do it. We didn't have a rocket that would get us there. We weren't even sure what it would take to get us there. Did you know that they weren't sure that that thing would land on the moon and just sink into dust, disappear, poof? They didn't know if the surface of the bugger would hold the weight of a man, let alone some kind of spaceship thing landing on it. And the president stands up and says, we're going to the moon in this decade. Okay, and guess what? We made it by the hair of our chinny-chin-chin. We got 69. But we made it. And we all sat there and said, dude, where do you want to go now? Right? We do amazing stuff. You know that the computer in your car is bigger than the computer that was on Apollo 13? And that was the one that went to the moon. In your car. We've got little things now that about that size. That Palm Pilots. That have more... Com- power than the computer that sent man to the moon okay it still runs on a battery so why because we're pretty smart you know what has happened that same mindset has carried into the church i do not see a dependence on the holy spirit utter dependence on the holy spirit i just don't see it um we now have counselors we have we, we, we literally have Christian therapists. Um, uh, and I struggle with this. I get mail usually something once a week, sometimes more than once a week, about men who have opened their offices for biblical counseling, Christian counseling. I'm a licensed therapist. I'm a licensed counselor and stuff like that. And what, here's one of the things that I don't understand. If I can't get the truth from myself... How can somebody else get the truth in my heart? I mean, if I can deceive myself and I know where I'm at, how can you sit across the table or however they do it and lay on a couch? I don't know how they do it anymore. But how do you get that person to know the truth of your heart? I can tell you the truth of your heart. It's deceitful above all else. Now what are we going to do? What will we do now? That gets a little complicated, doesn't it? And you know what? There are some who think they can know another person's heart. They can. They do. You know what? If you've been married, tell me that your spouse at one point or another hasn't said, I know what you're thinking or I know your heart. And, you know, I just look at my wife and says, nope, it's lying to me. How would you know? (laughs) I mean, do you see what I'm trying to get at? Um. There are those who believe they can know another's heart. If I ask you these questions, you give me these answers, I'll know your heart. Well, I can give you these questions. I know that your heart will lie, so I know your heart. How do do we really step into a place trying to discover what's in another's heart when the heart is lying? How do you understand what's in another's lying heart when your heart is lying to you? How dependent are we? You know, people call me up for counsel. Okay? Well, what do you think about this? You know, and and I usually tell them it doesn't really matter what I think about it. This is usually what God thinks about that. And what does your Bible say? And sometimes they know where they need to go. Sometimes they don't. Listen, what I'm trying to point out to you is that (laughs) 
To fix a lion heart is going to take a lot of work. And I don't think there's anybody I've ever met is cut out for that job. Listen to what the psalmist says in Psalm 7, verse 9. Oh, let the evil of the wicked come to an end, but establish the righteous. For the righteous God, now here's what it says, God tries the hearts and minds. That's Psalm 7, 9. Okay? Who tests the heart and mind? Who looks at the heart and mind? Who knows when the heart or mind are lying? God does. God does. And he's really good at it too, what I've learned. He seems to catch it quick. Here's what the psalmist said. Psalm of David. David was sometimes deceiving himself. He had issues. Okay? He had baggage in life. Okay? He had problems. He had a lying, deceitful heart. Psalm 26, verse 2 says, Examine me, O Lord, and try me. Test me. Put it to the test, Lord. Put it on your holy fire and see what comes out of it. That's a brave man. Okay? Test my mind and my heart. See, David was smart enough to say, You know what? Um, Every time I'm left to my own devices, I just get in trouble. Okay, here's one that is, is a mind-boggling text. I just don't think about where I'm at or anything. Just listen to these words. This is Psalm 139, first seven verses. Just listen to these words, okay? This is, this is God saying it's the book of Psalms is praise. All right, so God says praise because, listen to this. Oh, Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know when I sit down and when I rise up. You understand my thought from afar. You scrutinize my path and my lying down and are intimately acquainted with all of my ways. Even before there is a word on my tongue, behold, O Lord, you know it all. You have enclosed me behind and before and you have laid your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is too high. I cannot attain to it. Where can I go from your spirit? Or where can I flee from your presence? Do we understand what that says? But pastor, we need accountability groups. Would the Holy Spirit miss it? Where do you go to hide from the Holy Spirit? Where are you going to go? Oh, I'm, oh no. Okay, so what account of accountability group do you need? You know what? I've seen accountability groups. You get a group of them, they're going to hold you accountable, right? And yet, you've got a whole bunch of lion hearts. So what are we going to hold each other accountable to? Your heart's deceiving you, my heart's deceiving me, but you're accountable. To what? A whole room full of liars? A whole room full of people who are deceived? You can have the best accountability group that there ever was. I'd still be deceived. Still be deceived. That's amazing stuff when you really think about it. Do we, I wanted you to understand that because when you think about your salvation, you were at a point of depravity. Okay? You were found useless for your intended purpose. Okay? You know what that means? You had no purpose. You got no purpose. Why? Because you're useless. Oh, God, I'm just feeling wonderful. Oh, yeah? But you sang, oh, sacred head wounded. Do you understand why that sacred head was wounded? Because we were useless. There was a dependence that we had to have. We threw ourselves on that cross and said, I can't do this. Whoa, wretched man I am. I am a sinner. My best laid plans are as filthy rags. 
I can't get anything done. I remember that in my soul of my being when I came to salvation. I looked at it. I was 24 years old and I was in a mess. And I said, God, I don't know how I got here. Nobody, well, I think I will plot my course and go this way. No, I was living for myself and I was doing everything I could for myself and I woke up in a place one day where I had gotten there all by myself and God says your heart has deceived you and I said now listen I didn't have all this going through my head I knew whoa wretched man that I am save me that's it That's it. That's all I knew. You're holy. You're sinless. I ain't. Save me. Because I have made a mess of this. I have made a mess of this. Okay, now then I want to drop, move you over to to Galatians chapter 3, verse 5. Or Galatians, yeah. 3, 1 through 5. We've looked at this. Okay, starts out this way. Put it in this, this... Understanding, this will help you. Foolish church members. Okay? You foolish church members. Who has bewitched you? And the word bewitched there means I've enta- I have charmed somebody into thinking something. Okay? I'm going to charm you into this. Okay? Why, this is going to be so cool, you are going to eat this up. This is going to be amazing. This is going to be beyond your wildest dreams. This, I'm telling you, you can't even believe what God's got planned for you. You're going to have a blast. He said, you foolish church members, who has charmed you into this? Who has charmed you into this? Listen, he understood, Paul, writing to the church in Galatia, said he understood you can't begin your Christian life without the power of the Holy Spirit. You know what? We sat here today, okay? We would all agree with that. We'd give a hearty amen maybe if we were a little more Pentecostal. Amen, brother. Amen. Bring it on. Work it out. Work it up. Okay? How? How did you get saved? Well, I was uh, working on the Spirit of God. No, 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 no. You had a part in it. You just didn't wake up one morning saved. You had faith. But how did you get that faith? Did you wake up? You know, I've got my faith pants on today. I'm feeling pretty saved. No, you were exposed to something, weren't you? How will they hear? Through the preaching of the gospel. You're going to get this information handed to you. The power of the Holy Spirit is just going to split your soul wide open. And all of a sudden, it's like, whoa. Whoa. And you believed. Now, what part did you have in it? Did you hear? No. You didn't have the ability to hear. If he didn't open the ears and remove the scale from the eyes, what do you do? Listen, I shared this in my Sunday school class. Had a person one time wanted to join this church, and we have they meet with the elders of this church, and this person handled the scriptures well, knew their Bible as very well. Uh, What I would class it well, average. That wouldn't be good. It'd be way above average for what the average Christian is. Okay, knew their Bible, knew the, 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 the historical settings of the Bible, knew, understood all this, understood everything. So we asked, <clears throat> when you come to salvation, you know, what was it like? Well, it was easy. I come from a broken home and everything was miserable and all the rest of it. And it was tough stuff. You know, my parents, was, you know, were divorced and I was just, I was the only child and da 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 and all the rest of it. And, and, and I was sitting up in my room one night and I was just feeling awful. And these two shadows came into my room. The one shadow took my hand, put it in the hand of the other shadow. And that was God putting my hand in Jesus's. Okay. Now the other elders, they all look at me and say, well, you're the pastor. What are you going to do? <laughs> and I was like, oh, dude. 
Who asked this question? (laughs) You come up with an answer. Now listen, this is a person who knew their Bible. They knew their Bible. How do you come up with that idea? Where is God a shadow? Everywhere I see, he needs to give Ray-Bans. He's too bright. His glory is too massive. And what are you doing with dark shadows? So how'd you get started? I can tell you how you got saved. If you're saved, you were exposed to someone preaching the gospel and God of creation and his spirit split your soul wide open, convicted, convicted you of your sin and your dependence on him to save you. The Galatians understood this. The church in Kassarok understands that. But who has bewitched us? Listen, if it was faith from hearing that saved me, then how am I going to be used to serve? Ten seconds. In hearing. I know people right now who have faith and they haven't heard a word. And you know what? They're not being used. If you're not there to hear, guess what? You're sitting. Taking up space. That's what you are. Why? Because you all of a sudden think, if I give X number of dollars or if I help, I'm going to make the Kool-Aid for VBS. Okay? Therefore, I have served. You know what? As you get older, you should be more excited and more enthralled with the things of God as you get older. And yet, you watch the church today. How many, as, as they grow older, they get farther away from God because they're more worried about their motorhome or their 401k and where am I going to go? My grandbabies and great-grandbabies and stuff like that. Those become the focus of it. And I have to ask a simple question. What's your dependence on? What's your dependence on? I know people who have very little scriptural knowledge and yet all their faith may be in that one or two or three verses that they know and they walk and are doing things that you and I can't even dream of. Why? That's all I got and I'm hanging right there. Why? Because they understand their utter dependence. You, we have that prayer thing. Remember that prayer thing? Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. You really want that? His will to be done on earth as it is in heaven? Really? You sure you want that? Listen, I know that I want it, and there's times I don't want it. I'm thinking that that's not a good thing. Okay? Then he makes that statement, give us this day, what? Our daily bread. You know what that is? That's the very basics of life. How many of us this day go to God for our very basics of life? See how far we've moved from our dependence on God? Who has bewitched you? Whose eyes Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed as crucified? The one thing I want to find out from you, did you receive the Spirit by works of the law? No. How? Hearing with faith. Key here. It isn't faith. I lived bulk of my adult life believing in a God. I believed in Jesus. But I did not hear the gospel. And there came a point where God says, you will now hear. And when he showed me what I heard, it like to killed me. I was overwhelmed, not with everybody else. I wasn't overwhelmed with other churches. I wasn't overwhelmed with other Christians. I wasn't overwhelmed with Billy Graham. I was in a room by myself and the spirit of the living God. And he came in and says, do you understand your dependence on me? Yes. 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 Absolutely. Yes. And I didn't make a deal. Well, if you'd get me out of jail, Lord, I'll do something for you. No. You saved me. Thank you. I don't care if you don't do anything. That's good. Hallelujah. And you know what?
what? He literally did more than I could have ever imagined and it came to a point where I no longer had dependence on him. I had been charmed. I had been charmed. I had become a foolish Galatian and thought, you know what? If I read my Bible, I say my little prayers, I go to church, and then I'll go definitely go to church twice on the high holy days, you know, Christmas Eve and Christmas. You know, I'm, I'm ready. We're in. And a part of it, you know, and I can blame it and shift it. And Well, the church was into converts. They weren't into discipleship. And that, and they don't fly. That don't fly. Anybody in here don't own a Bible? Raise your hand. That's what I thought. So you know what? You're without excuse. You are flat out without excuse. It's that simple. I bought in to say, you know what? I can do this. You know what he did to me? He said, I'm going to show you how well you do. Went to work one Monday morning. That's all I remember. I woke up on Wednesday. Insulin dependent. Okay? God said, are you dependent on me yet? I'm in. <laughs> I got it. You got it. I'm, I'm listening with both ears and four eyes. Okay? I'm, I'm all about this. Dependence, dependence, dependence. Why? Because I was still a young enough man that I could come and go as I pleased. Remember what he said to Peter? You will come and glow, but I will tell you this. Someone will pick you up and they will stretch out your arms. That was the method of his death. And they will take you to a place that you don't want to go. You know what? God put me in a hospital, lost three days of my life. When I came out of it, he says, now then, are you listening? And he says, now then, I want you to stay dependent on me. So you know what is weird about me now? I have to plan everything around when I'm eating. Now, most of you guys are thinking, that would be great. I'm in. <laughs> I'm just moving from meal to meal. Listen, I have to be careful where I'm at because I can die. Okay? And it won't be a fun death because I've been sick a couple of times with it. And there ain't nothing fun about it. It just it makes every part of your body hurt except your brain. And your brain's sitting there taking in all the information. All right? And God says, now you are dependent. You are dependent on me. You're going to get up in the morning. You're going to stick yourself. And you're going to put blood on this little thing. And it's going to tell you whether you need to take another shot or not. Here's what you can have. you got to stay away from the rolls, the breads. But I like the rolls and the bread. He says, you're going to be dependent on me? I'm in. I remember that three-day loss thing. You know, I could end up with three-day ever. (laughs) Do you see what I'm trying to get at? God did that through me. I'm using that as an illustration because I want you to understand. Do you understand dependence? i got to have these stupid little bottles and these goofy little syringes and carry them everywhere I go. And then you can't get them too hot. You can't get them too cold. You find out when you're on a hunting trip, you're sleeping with this little stupid thing, and you got to get up in the morning and take the thing. When you go and fly across the country or whatever I do, to go, if I'm teaching in Russia, i got to make sure I keep it, keep it. It's got to stay in my vest pocket. And then, you, of course, you pull it out in your vest pocket, and you lay it down on that little tray, and everybody freaks out. He's got liquids and needles. He's going to hijack the airplane and then blow it up with insulin. Okay, it's a hassle. Now they tell me, you're going to do that. You've got to have your name with the prescription number and all the rest of it on there. Perfect. You've seen how little them bottles are. See what I mean? He says, you are dependent, Terry. And you know, I can look at it in a physical sense. I'm dependent on uh, external intravenous of insulin. You know what, brothers and sisters? You are dependent on the external workings of the spirit of the living God. And if not, you are a foolish Galatian. How did you come to salvation? I heard and I believed. Okay, let me ask you a question. How are you serving this day? What is the church buying into? That's the stuff that you and I have to pay attention to. Listen, I'm going to go back over these three again. There's three things that have developed in the church in the last 10 years or so. One is what I call the experiential. You may call it the charismatics. Okay, Um, That is confusion over the Holy Spirit. They're completely confused on His operation and sanctification. Holiness. Okay? 
the weird thing about some of them is they don't have a fear of offending the Holy Spirit. And that one always kind of spooks me. I would be afraid. Okay, I'm just, just an idea. Okay, and if you look at the experiential movement, they are busting their butts to perfect themselves in the flesh. You'll hear it this way. I felt God. Okay, he moved me or something like that. Okay, the other one is pragmatism. We're so smart. We are socially so complex today that we have missed the fact that you have a precious treasure in a jar, in a clay pot. And we view solutions now, holy living, being used of God based on seminars, uh, on, on, a, on, a, on a system, or uh, going to school, getting a, a piece of paper, a, a doctrine, or a, a diploma, or something to that fa- and what you see is a lack of, fo- lack of focus on the supernatural and the focus is all on the natural. You really believe that if you memorize the Bible cover to cover and the maps that you're not ready to be used by God? It's impossible. What are you going to do for him? Then there's psychological sanctification and they basically completely replace the ministry of the Holy Spirit and believer life he ain't there why that's why i can sit across the table you can tell me what's wrong and i can tell you what your heart's about well i can do that right now i'm gonna counsel all of you right now we're gonna have it done your heart is deceitful okay now we've got that dealt with okay well you need to understand my relatives that would be adam okay now we got that dealt with what other counsel do you need you are depraved. I know. It's hard on your ego. Okay? But depraved only means you're useless. Okay? Now, what do you want to do for Jesus? See, in Jeremiah 17, 9 and 10, it is a theological understanding because there is a definite lack of the understanding of your sin. Please hear me. Husbands, it's not your wife's sins. Wives, it's not your husband's sins. It's your sins. Okay? It's not your children's sins. It's not your grandparents' sins. What is that one? Adam. But, hey, you know. That's the stuff we don't understand. Man literally believes if he gets the right program, the right lesson, the right process, the right system, he has the ability to change himself. Really? See, if I, if I don't get that one right then I don't understand that the only ability for me to become saved was the Spirit of God. If that's true, then the only ability that I have for sanctification is the Spirit of God. See, sovereignty of God, man, is incapable. Only God is capable. Okay? If we can't save ourselves, then we know that we can't sanctify ourselves, but we're all going to try to go do it. See, God does both. He saves through the Spirit, and guess what else He does? sanctifies through the Spirit. And it's all through faith. Remember, you have little faith. And if you're really honest with yourself, every one of you are in a process of growing in your dispensational theology. No. God gives you information through the preaching and teaching ministries that are empowered by the Spirit of God in the indwelling temple of the Spirit of God, which is the church. And as He gives you this information, you get to grow in your faith because all of a sudden you'll have things in your life that show up that you have to deal with, and you will deal with those based on what? Human system? No. It's all through faith. That's what Paul says in Galatians 5. Look at Galatians 5, verse 15. And 16. If you bite, this sounds like Baptist, Baptist church. But if you bite and devour one another, take care that you are not consumed by one another. But I say, what? Walk by the Spirit, and you will not carry out the desires of the flesh. Seems like simple enough understanding right there, doesn't it? See, the church, 
underestimates God and overestimates man. And, and there's many who have developed sanctification without the Holy Spirit. If I do this and this and this. See, that's that part that deceives us. See, if you don't want to use the power of the Holy Spirit, you're going to lead to a place that you have no desire to want to be. Why? You're going to get to a point where you're desperate. Why? Because God has to take you there to get your undivided attention. And that's sanctification. That's tough. You know, the key to it is staying at that point of desperation. Don't look at it and say, you know, God brought me through this. Thank you, Lord, I'm on my own now. I was talking to somebody this week. And they made a statement that they were just in awful. This place was, there was awful spiritual turmoil everywhere that they looked. And it was just so cool to watch God just rock and roll, rock and roll. Just turn it over, take it over, and all the rest of it. I said, the key is, what are you going to do when you get into the mundane? The day-to-day grind. I have to be at school at this time. I have to go to work at this time. I'm doing this here, and I've got to make sure I'm at this thing. And it's just an um, ba um, ba Man will always, 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 always draw to his own understanding, his own abilities, and he'll take off on that. And God says, all right, I'm going to throw a great big bowling ball right in the middle of you and see what you do. And you get hit by it, and the first thing you do is drop to your knees, get on your Bible. Help me, Jesus, help me, Jesus, help me, Jesus. And what happens? Turn around, we walk away. Listen, having begun in the Spirit, we need to continue in the Spirit. We have a new birth. Why? Listen, I'm going to go through this really quick now. All right? When you came to salvation, if these things didn't happen, then I pray that today is the day of your salvation. Okay? First and foremost, first thing has to happen is you have to be convicted of sin. Please, your sin. <laughs> we, we got enough. And, oh, I think that person's sin caused me to do this. No, 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 no. John 16 says, the Holy Spirit will convict the world of sin. You know what the word convict means, right? Make you mad. (laughs) Literally, it's what it does. It's not morally challenged people. They are sinners. They need to be saved. Okay, second thing. Okay, I'm just going to give you these verses and you go look them up. The second thing is, if you've been convicted of sin by the person of the Holy Spirit, then guess what will happen? You will turn away from that which causes you that guilt. You know what we call that? Repentance. Oh, bummer. That's that R. He's used the sin word and the R word all in one message. Okay, listen, 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 25 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 25, and Acts chapter 11, verse 18, says that repentance does not come from the fact that you felt guilty. Repentance comes when the Spirit of God changes you. Because we are like dogs. We will return to our vomit. We will. That's worldly sorrow and godly sorrow. Worldly sorrow brings death. Godly sorrow brings repentance and life. You will live if you change. You will die if you don't. It's not that complicated. But you know what? Both of them have to happen where? The Holy Spirit. Paul told Timothy that if someone quarrels with you, if someone argues with you, if someone is in disagreement with you, you pray that God brings them to repentance. You got that? Husband, wives. Of course, we both believe we're right, so they both need to repent. I'd be a godly man if that woman would repent. No, that ain't the way it works. As a pastor, there has been many times when I've had quarrels and I've had people attack me. And I always go back to this, that text, chapter 2, verse 25. God bring them to repentance. Okay? Acts eleven eighteen. that's basically the Jerusalem Council. And everybody says, let's praise God. We're going to have a hallelujah chorus. We're going to have a big worship time. Why? Because God has granted repentance to the Gentiles. Okay? Where did repentance come from? Okay? But here's the... The two that I want to kind of spend a little more time on. One, he, he, the Holy Spirit to a believer gives power of truth to the mind. 
Power of truth to the mind. He becomes our intellect. He energizes the preacher on one hand, but he also energizes the hearer on the other hand. Listen, you could be the best preacher that the world has ever seen, and if God doesn't open the ears, it ain't going to make no sense. It'll be this. And it doesn't make sense. Why? First Peter chapter 1, verse 12. They preach in the power of the Holy Spirit, energized by the Holy Spirit. I want to look at that text because it's good stuff and we miss it too many times. It was revealed to them. Okay, what was? The glories of Christ, the gospel of Christ, revealed to them <clears throat> that they were not serving of themselves but you. Okay, this was the Old Testament prophets preaching the coming of Christ for us who would be saved at this time in these things which you have been announced to you through those who preach the gospel by you the Holy Spirit sent from heaven things which the angels long to look at. Okay, how do you hear? Power of the Holy Spirit. Got another one for you. First John chapter 5. Verses 5 through 9. <clears throat> who is the one who overcomes the world? But he who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. This is the one who came by water and blood, Jesus Christ, not with water only, but with water and with the blood. It was the Spirit who what? Testifies. You know what that means? Testify makes it real. Who makes it real? Holy Spirit does. Okay? So even to hear in faith, where does it come from? Holy Spirit. Fourth thing, regenerates. All of this leads to the teaching of the Word and their conviction. John chapter 3, verses 3 through 6. Okay? Why? The Word becomes real. The Word becomes illuminated. The Word becomes something that I can see now. He tears down self and He builds a new one. Titus chapter 3, verse 5. And it has to be this way. You can't substitute this. Here's what I want us to understand. This is all a supernatural work. Okay, do you understand that? Because listen, what method you use in presenting the gospel really doesn't matter. As long as it's energized by the Holy Spirit. I don't care what your method is. You speak the truth of the gospel, power of the Holy Spirit, He does the work. That's why I don't understand. Well, I need to learn, I need to learn how to share the gospel. Then you need to get saved. Because if you learn how to share the gospel, then you understand where you were and where you are, and you should be able to articulate that to anybody. And if you can't, then are you saved? The method doesn't convince a depraved heart. Did you get that? The method doesn't convince a depraved heart. It is a useless heart. The method doesn't have any bearing on it. God uses His truth and the power of the Spirit to turn the heart from stone to flesh. And you can't do it. You have no abilities. I love you. I know you want to, but you can't. God does it. At that point, all of a sudden, you are indwelt by the Holy Spirit. What does that mean? He takes up residence in your heart. Repent and receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, Paul or Peter told him in Acts chapter 2, verse 38. You also see it in 1 Corinthians 12, 13 and Romans 8, 9. The Spirit that convicted us turns us towards repentance now lives in you, 1 Corinthians 6, 19, because you are now the dwelling place of the Most High God. And what are you going to do to do that? Nothing. You were baptized. You were baptized into the body of Christ. You were immersed into the body of Christ. 1 Corinthians 12, 11 through 13. Christ the baptizer places you. He immerses you into the church, into his body. You have become part of the living body of the Lord Jesus Christ. You are a part. You're not becoming a part. You are now a part. Now then you need to act like a part. If you're going to act like a part, how are you going to do it? Well, if I go take this class or I get my master's in theology. No, moron, you can't do it. You are useless. That's why the angels look at it and go, oh, he threw all the stars into the heavens. He made time, space, matter. Can you believe? You want to see something? He's taken that degenerate, useless thing and makes it as holy as his son. 
I don't get that. Her part of me said, why? Erase. Start over. (laughs) Do you understand that the person of the living God is pulsing through your spiritual veins? It is the life of God? You know, that's what we've been studying. Did you know that? That's what Paul was somatic to Corinthians. What's the matter with you people? Why would you let the world have a greater dominion in your life than the Spirit of God? I don't understand you people. Don't you understand? I don't want you to be ignorant of spiritual gifts. Why? That's the life of God pulsing through individual people that God draws together to manifest the person of Jesus Christ to the awe of the depraved. I like that. I've done some things that you want to go, oh, that ain't what I'm talking about. I'm talking about God taking the most useless thing in existence that's deceitful and lying and making it holy and glorious to him and him alone. It becomes a sacred vessel. And if you are saved this day, that's what you are. You are in the body and you have been gifted to serve the body. You've been empowered. You have the spirit pulsing through you. I look at the body. Today the church hires ministers. If you want things done, if you want somebody to lead music, you have to hire somebody who's got a degree in spiritual music or something. I don't know how that works. If you want a youth guy, you have to go hire a guy who does youth ministries. If you want to do marriage ministries, you hire a marriage ministry guy thing. I don't, I don't know how all that works. My question to all of those plans are, where's the Holy Spirit? My Bible says that he enables you to serve. Here's our issue. How desperate are you? It's that simple. How desperate are you? Because out of that desperation is your dependence. That's it. I mean, that's it in a nutshell. It is so simple. Why? I have got to become desperate so I understand my dependence. How desperate were you when you got saved? That moment that God just invaded your life? I was desperate. I mean, I was looking up to the earthworms. They were above me. And you know what I learned? It's so easy to want to stand up on your own and do. I mean, it freaks you out. God saved you. What do you want me to do? Anything. I'll do it. You know, and then you get into the life and what happens? You start doing it. And God says, who's bewitched you? Who has charmed you into a place that thinks that you're going to do this? I'll take you and make you desperate again. Why? And then you will walk in utter dependence. You know, has it changed? That's the Old Testament. Don't wear cotton and wool. What? Don't boil in the meat in the, what was it, milk, calf's milk. Don't, don't do that. What? I mean, don't eat pork. Eat this. This has got cloven hooves. Don't do that. Eat that and do it. What? Well, I, that seems goofy. Why? No. I want you dependent on me. You bring me the first fruits. You bring me the best of everything first, and I'll take care of you. What? What? Hasn't changed. My brothers, my sisters, my prayer for each and every one of you is you live a life of dependence on the Spirit of the living God. That's what we're looking at. That's what we're looking at. You are so desperate and dependent on Him for salvation, you are now desperate and dependent on Him for holiness. For holiness. Let's pray. Father, help us. Help us to walk in your glory and your majesty. 
Father, help us to walk in the power of our salvation. Help us to stand in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Father, help us. Help us to be dependent. Help us to be desperate. Father, may your spirit this day just invade us, overwhelm us. Father, we understand. We're clay pots, earthen vessels, useless until you come into our lives. Overwhelm us and use us for the furtherance of your kingdom. Father, amen is not enough. Hallelujah and amen to the glory of our Savior. In Christ's name.